Imagine you ask your mom, can you go outside? This is the first time you're outside by yourself. She says, Robert, you can go outside, but you can't leave the street. This is your first time interpreting the world. You hear the sounds of the streets. You hear adults speaking. You hear kids running. You hear dogs barking. You're finally looking at life out of your own two eyes. This is live from the Stoop Podcast. I am Robbie Digital. Here's where we'll be speaking to people from different walks of life about how they made it from the stoop to where they are today. Live from the Stoop Podcast with me, Robbie Digital. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm, I'm feeling really good today. Uh, I have a very great friend that um, we'll be speaking with today. Uh, New York legend. Oh, God. Bronx mayor. Oh, God. Um, fashionista, designer, icon, philanthropist, you name it. He pretty much does it. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I have Muggsy McFly with me. Listen, all I do is save the day once in a blue moon. That's it. It's a lot of blue moons. It's you a lot what? of blue moons. I think it's always a fucking blue moon. <laughs> Come on, I man. Muggsy, like you, I think sometimes to your own credit, you see how much of an influence you are, but I think it's just as important when people mention you when you're not in the room. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm real heavy on name and branding, so your name should be everywhere, even when you're never there. So, so let's dial it back a little bit. Let's let's dig deep before before the McFly, before it was Muggsy. Like growing up uptown in the Bronx, how was that? Um, I mean, I. Being older and thinking about it, it's probably like, yo, that was rough. But, I mean, I had a great time. It was fantastic. You know, um, playing manhunt, not realizing that I was actually practicing from running away from cops and ops at the same time. But it was just fun. Carefree experience and things and people and being outside, not like this generation. And, you know, having it hard but figuring it out. And as far as siblings, you're the middle, oldest, youngest? Um, I come from a very strange family. So for my mother, I'm the oldest. For my father, I might be like the middle child. And how was that growing up like on a Saturday? What was a typical Saturday? Um, Saturday, Saturday. Saturday would probably be cartoons first. Uh, more than likely, some running outside unless... Your mother decides she wants to go to the mall, which I actually dreaded at the time. Um, I, women be shopping. I don't, I'm not a fan. <laughs> it's so funny, making clothes, and I still am not the biggest fan of shopping, which kind of helps me because when I design spaces for shopping, I try to make it as non-shoppy as possible. Mm-hmm. So like my first venture, the store, Cloud Control, it's kind of like built like an urban Area it has crates before the crate challenge and like brick walls and stuff. So it's like outside, and then my new space that I'm building on. I'm sure you'll ask me about all that later, but I'll just talk from now. The new place I'm working on now is more so homey, it's boutique wise. It's like loft, chill, and that's kind of energy I'm going. I don't really want to be like yo buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. Mm. Hey here, hurry up and buy. I'm not, and I don't like, and I'm really one of the people that shop with a purpose. I know exactly what I want. I'm not your Go to Target and leave with five hundred dollars when I went for hangers. Look, that 
I don't know what it is about Target, but Target is like the abyss of like buying things that you don't need. But I'm also really into the science of that. Like I realize why certain things are certain places in the store and how they position against each other because it makes you, oh, I might need that. Oh, I might need that. Oh, I might need that. So I wondered, going to the stores as a kid, what was one of the first stores that, although shopping with parents can be really annoying, what was one of those stores that you looked forward to going to, though, that really caught that bug for you, hey, that bug? It's funny. It's not even clothing. If, you, if you're talking stores, period, hands down, it was KB Toys. I Really? That, I, I don't think, it's funny. I'm not even Toys R Us. I think KB Toys might have been my favorite store, period. Why? I might even like FEO Sports yeah. more than Toys R Us, too. But where are we from in the Bronx? There wasn't many Toys R Us. There was only the one on Gun Hill that turned into... Um, the storage place right before you get to the bridge to co-op. Yep. But it was too hard to get there, like cabs and buses and stuff. And then you had the one in uh, Cross County. Yeah. No, no. That was KB Toys. Oh, yeah. That's that's why I loved it because that was the one. I I was living in Cross County. Yeah. So I just love going there. F.E.O. Swartz, you go to the big mall, they had those. Not so much Toys R Us. So I was just a fan. I was more into like action figures and toys in my imagination than Clothing per se, understandable. And it's it's funny you bring up Cross County because I remember what Cross County looked like when we were <laughs> younger and how much it's changed. But even as a kid, when you went to Cross County, you knew you weren't in the Bronx. Yeah, absolutely. Even though like it's still it's so funny because B Plaza is there, and as much as I've had my own interaction with B Plaza, Cross County is my home mall. Like that's really my home mall growing up. And does that and and even that with like going to this open space mall, being outside, like that's a very different experience than the traditional mall experience. Yeah, because again, like it's that outside experience, and it's like, I guess like you're, it's more so like you know you watch those movies where kids are like in the mall sitting down doing those things. It's like you don't really get that at Cross County. It's like you're walking through and you're in passing. It's never like stationary. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've seen. When I finally got my store in the mall, that people actually sit and like chill in the mall, like the movies, and like yeah, it's very weird to me. Like go home, <laughs> but to each his own. So, when do you think? What was the first article of clothing that you felt like you fell in love with? Because I feel like we all have that one. Like for me, it was like I remember getting my first pair of like black hard denim jeans. Okay. And like hiding them from my mom because I didn't want her to watch the them. first first thing. All right. So from my knowledge, I'll give you one and one that I and, a, and I'll give you another story. So I know my mother told me um I had a infatuation with pro kids. Pro kids with the little blue mm-hmm. kids with the bro with the little navy blue box on the back of the shoes. Before I could read, I could recognize that logo. So I would say kids if I seen them uh, navy blue um, triangle rectangle on the back of shoes and to the point that if she wanted me to get some shoes she'd have to ask the person working there to draw a rectangle on the back or I would not buy it and I wish you would have told me that story earlier because I would have went to fashion way faster but she probably told me that in my adult years and I'm like what? <laughs> I could tell a brand before I could say people's names That's f- which explains why blue was my first favorite color but that's crazy um Secondly, we'll tie it into colors. My current favorite color is orange, and the first shoe I was 
absolutely in love with were the Air Max TNs. I really? I was head over heels for those. The, um, the, the Tiger joints. Yes, the Tiger joints. It's funny yeah. people call them Tiger joints now, but like all I knew was Air Max TN because i never seen anything so intricate and gorgeous at that age. Very early on, too. Very. And that was the fir- I think that was the first release when I got, like, first, very first time they ever came out. Um, and like, people don't really understand um, growing up in the Bronx or not being so rich and wealthy, whatever. You buy off a necessity. So, you know, you get your shoes. And if you mess up your 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 um school shoes, your outdoor shoes, you got, you just bum me for school year. That's just how it was. So we didn't really have the leisure to buy random shoes to just switch upon. Whatever shoes you had was your shoes sometimes. So that was probably the first shoe I got that didn't go in my outfits. So normally I get a shoe that could work for everything. Yeah. Black shoe, white shoe, maybe black blue. and white, maybe, maybe red. Blue. That's it. I wanted yeah. LA gears my whole life. Didn't get them. <laughs> God. You can buy them now. I, I could call Alex you, right now. You should them. you should buy a pair for nostalgia I, I, purposes. I am absolutely going to. But I actually want to that's another thing. I actually want to end up getting a collab and doing something. But we're gonna talk about other stuff. But um but yeah, I didn't get those and then I got dumb. Back to school. I don't even think I picked them. She picked them. And I seen them like, yo. And I end up getting this one. Matter of fact, we were shopping and I liked them. And she ended up getting them for me. And I was like, wow, I didn't expect that. And I liked them so much. And I'm like, wait a minute, I have nothing over this. And I bought one Nike shirt, <laughs> one orange Nike shirt. And it was uh. my favorite outfit forever. <laughs> and, there was, and I only could wear these shoes once in the blue. Which kind of made it like. That's a big the, deal. A big deal. It's kind of a big so deal. So tell me the first time when you wear them to school, what happened? It was, I don't think any, like, in school, no one really cares. It, it's funny how it's reversed now. Nobody really cares about your shoes. It was like, your outfit. I'm wearing orange. Oh, I like your shirt. No one said yeah. anything about the shoes. So me was wearing orange. was like, ah, oh, yeah, but, you know, Muggsy wears bright colors anyway. I used to wear red all the time. So, <laughs> so it wasn't a... It wasn't a, a major thing, but it, nobody cared about the shoes. Only, that's probably the only shoe I probably looked down on all the time. And, like, I love these shoes. That was the first shoe ever to do that to me. When do you think was the first time where you started paying attention to what people were wearing and then people paying attention to what you were wearing? Um, Because I feel like that happens like in middle school where like, yeah, because let's see, this is what, 98 you said TNs come out. So mm -hmm. you're like Um, very early, like 10 or 11 mm -hmm. at that time. I think uh, it might even been. I'm not, I'm not sure what year they came, but I feel like it was third or fourth grade. It was around that time. I really feel like that. Yeah, that's like 97, yeah. 98. So okay. we're like 8, 9 maybe because okay. 12, 12s had just came out. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, But what was your question again before you said that? So what what when, what year or what age or what grade did people start paying attention to that? And call? you vice versa. I'm going to absolutely tell you it is 6th, 7th grade. I'd probably emphasize on 7th grade. Um. It's so funny how this work, it works out now, because um, in like middle school, they give you a class number. So I went to um, Richard Green, aka AKA MS One Thirteen, aka Olinville, which is like one of the most notorious high middle schools in the Bronx. We had metal detectors in middle school. That's how bad we were. I, it doesn't seem like a big deal to me back then, but now it's like, the fuck is a middle school doing with, <laughs> with metal, metal detectors, detectors and yeah. truancy officers? I actually cut school a few times, but don't that's mind neither that. here nor there. That's neither here nor there. But um, sixth grade, so I was really smart from jump, um, and I'm still kind of smart, whatever. So how they used to set up the classes is what you're majoring in, quote unquote, and your 
and how smart you were. So it'll be M House, which is mathematics, C House, which is creative arts, and J House, which is journalism. So that would be each floor. Every floor had that basically what you're mm. like you're majoring in. And it'll be, you know, six M one, six M two. The M ones are usually the smartest. M two, three. Yeah, so have, forth and so on. Then they have a six 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 where it's like, yo, you are <laughs> out of here, but bucko. There's four people in your class. It's not looking good. We only see you at lunch. Yeah. So yeah, those. But the first year I came in, I was in six M one. The next year I dropped the class. Like I dropped low. But the thing about it, I was in class with kids and you know, I didn't I was no slouch on, on the curriculum or nothing. But I just didn't connect with them. Like their jokes are corny. And they're just like losers, and the jokes. It's just like, yo, I like we all smart, but we don't really gotta hang out. But then who else is there? The yeah. other smart kids don't talk. And it's like, well, smart kids usually don't talk. Yeah. Smart kids are busy being smart. Yeah, <laughs> which is a whole other argument. So I dropped. So by seventh grade, I'm in seven M two, and it was like the perfect mixture of I'm smart, but I could beat you up and I could dress. Yeah. So how I and it's so funny, like it. All of this ties into my fashion journey after the fact. So sixth grade, um, I remember N one was huge. You go to Foot Action, you get the tape, you get a purchase. Even if you didn't get a purchase, they give you the tape. Yeah. It was free. VCR, VHS tape. Major deal. Real tapes. I have them somewhere in a bin somewhere in my mother's house. Um, so I used to wear the shirts because the shirts always had a cool logo. I think, the, I think the logo's better than the NBA logo, honestly. <laughs> and like a, a slick remark, shit talking in the back. Yeah. And then, you know, I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I used to wear um, Jordans here and there and like other random shoes. And I'm like, you know what? I want N1s. And N1s weren't necessarily cute. But um, at sixth grade, <laughs> yeah. I was going from, I wear this stuff and I used to wear it a lot because I used to just like the mixtapes. And then people would be like, you can play ball. I'm like, um... Nah. So I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to wear this stuff, I should live this stuff. Now, it's funny how I feel come full circle where people wear basketball stuff and have nothing to do with basketball at all. They don't even know who Jordan really is, but whatever. So I got the N one slip-ons, I remember, mm-hmm. and I had the N one stuff. And it was sixth grade, and I was going. No, it was seventh grade, I went. And I remember my friend. He probably don't even know. This is my friend. His name is George. Fat George. He's a chef. He's I love him. Still see him to this day. You probably don't know, but he could dress and he gets sneaky. He got Jordans like crazy. Mm-hmm. I think his mom had passed away early, but his dad took care of him crazy. He had Jordans. And I came through, you know, it wasn't always N1 shirts. My fits was good. He see me with them N1 shirts. He said, bro, do not wear those again. I said, what? He said, we're going to gym. I said, we're going to gym. I went, it's like, yo, the Jordans you had the other day, wear those. Don't wear these again. And I'm like, oh, sadly, those animals went in the box. And I've not seen them again. So, Isn't it funny how, like, in that one moment where you think like you're doing something right, and then your friend gives you that friendly tap, like, hey, 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 that's not it. That's not it. You're doing it wrong. And you're like, what do I mean? And like, no, definitely remember that. So now you come back to school. So basically, I think one of the breaks came. And I came back like the second half of school and I was I was more up to par. I was more into like people talking about the shoes and whatever. Mm. And it wasn't just my class, it was like the lower end class. And then I remember I was trying to get into basketball. So when the time came, you know, Jim had every sport. So the end of the year was basketball. So we got to that point. And I remember my old class, everybody from my old class was still there mm-hmm. from the um M one and I was in M two. 
And I remember, like they said, everybody that wants to play basketball, everybody that doesn't want to play basketball, you could get up and go over there. And the whole class went. And I'm like, damn, that would have been, I would have been that. And I didn't want to be that. So whatever. I moved on. And I came back and I started getting my stuff here and there, figuring it out, figuring it out, trial and error, just boom, I right, yo, you wear Tim's, you got to get the, we, I'm talking about, we used to really learn. You get the black Tim's, you get the wheat ones, every other color is dirt. How did you clean your Tim's? I didn't have the wheat ones, I had the black ones, so it was kind of easy. I yes. just, I, my friend just told me, don't wet them with this because it get ashy. Like, I, like I, I really learned from, from, and from then, I knew black nasties was not it, from then. <laughs> I didn't have a job yet. I didn't know none of that. It's just no. But isn't it white crazy? or white low cuts? That's it. Isn't it crazy how like there's so many rules as a kid to how to wear certain things? I mean, I, I, honestly, is I hate how sensitive the world is now. But it's really all stems from bullying. I didn't want to get bullied. Leave me alone, <laughs> George. Don't please, talk shit about please. me. Not in front of the girls. Not please. in front of the girls. And now the girls probably dress better than us. So they're like, boy. <laughs> Yeah, boy. I remember so, getting Tim's and not even uh, wearing them when it snowed. Oh, I, I remember. The, yeah. I, you know what's funny? The Timberland thing. Since I was smaller, like I got black Tim's real late because they probably didn't make. It was really hard to get my size. So then they made the field boot, and which the beef and broccoli came from the mm-hmm. tan, the navy, and Max I had, and cheese, and, and yeah. That. So it was just crazy. So like that phrase came in, and I was and people were wearing them with shorts, and it was to think about it now. You're like you're bugging, but back then it was regular. Like I wore my navy field boots with a navy polo, Wellington Maine, and it was regular. Yeah, it was and, oh, shit. I play ball with them shit. So money. I am what? real New York. Yo, real, what NBA got, streets game were you I in? I chose violence <laughs> early, but nah, it, it, it was it was a thing. So and the funny thing is, the the navy one wasn't even a flavor that people went for, but it came out early, and I was the only person with it, and that was also that set the president in me like. Yo, I could go a little left, and if I put it off early, I got it. So I could set the tone. So I went from following the tone to me and like, I could be a part of setting the tone. And that's when you it kind of clicked. It kind of clicked. And then like seeing like my friend buy the 16s, and we seen it with the cover, and we're all saying them shit is ugly. Like we had the 15s. It's funny. Everybody hates the 15s, but when I went to school, everybody loved the 15s. I had the gray one. My friend had the other low-cut blue one. My friend had the black and gray one. And like we all had our flavors, and it was like, yeah, we all cool, even though People didn't like them. People hated the people. I, I love if I could get the white and gray fifteens right now. I I do anything. I love those. Like absolutely love those. Then the sixteens came out, and he was basically retired, and he had the cover over it, and everybody was like, "Nah." You're saying, and that? then my friend bought it, and he took the cover off, and we're like, "Yo, <laughs> those shit is fucking elevens on crack." <laughs> What? He flipped it. He had, matter of fact, I remember his name is like Otis or some shit. And he had one foot with the cover on, one foot with it out. And after that, everybody was begging their mom for it. It was crazy. That was a big moment. I, I think, I feel bad for kids now that they don't have that, um, that surprise moment. Like for me, it was this kid named Johnny Luke mm-hmm. and Justin Spry when I was in seventh and eighth grade. And they were the kids that came with Jordans. And I remember when uh, Johnny Luke got Jordan 17s. Wow. And he had the briefcase. And how at that time, the only time we had saw the Jordan 17s commercial. was or the commercial or the All-Star the, game. Yes. So that was a big deal at that time. So I remember just being in awe of him having this, this entity. 
It's so it's so funny because my cousin, my older cousin, always had the, the stuff before everybody, and he had it. And I used to kind of once he seen me get into the game, it was kind of like, ah, right, let me show you something to teach you. So I remember I, the suitcase. I remember that Jordan came out for twenty dollars, and it was a big deal, like twenty dollars for sneakers. No, that's like twenty dollars for sneakers. Sure, but yeah, back then, free. That's free with a fucking suitcase, <laughs> and I still have one of them suitcases right now, and that shit is plush. I don't know how much they pay for them suitcases. But you know what? One day, one of my sneaker releases, I'm having a suitcase just to reminisce. But um, they had the suitcase, but it was for men's size only. The kids didn't have that size. So I remember getting it, and I don't know how. I got my cousin, and he had two pairs, and I'm like, give me your suitcase. And I just want to go to school and have that suitcase. And I stunted. <laughs> stunted. I had them black and gray Johns, and I stunted. And it was like, He's here, he's and, here. All right. and that was that was one of those big highlight real moments. And yeah, it was one of the highlight real moments. And I will really say, like, even learning middle school was like the I right, like you know like the red collar, the red shirt days where I'm figuring it out. And then I went to high school and it was kind of over. Like I got my connects, and I really, I really will make a testament of it because I remember I'll never forget. Like by the by that summer between middle school and high school, I probably went from I. Right, I wear them to now I'm a historian and I know when things are coming out. I know the year everything came out. I knew everything. Had my Jordan card collection and I'll never forget. The nines came out 2001, September 21st. I'm not going to forget it. <laughs> the um, patent navy blue joints, low cut. Yeah. I remember for, for a fact. So now at this age, I wear a size six and a half maybe. And they had just, and this, this was, this was a, I, I, this is why I know I was destined for fashion, because kids used to be size. Um, um, kids went down was started at size seven and down. Yeah, seven and a half. And seven, down. Da, se, seven and a half and down. No, 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 Six. It went all the way to six. It was it was men it was men prize sizes up to six six and a half. Mm-hmm. I remember six and a half because the first twelve black and reds I got it was it was men pricing. And I remember me being a, poor, a broke boy. It was like, yo, how am I pull this off? So when I reached six and I was going to six and a half, it's like, boy, it's almost double the price. How I'm going to do it. It's game How I'm going to keep my fly. And I remember that summer, they changed it. That all the way to size um, size seven was kids. And it changed my life. I was like, oh, I got more time to keep killing these niggas. <laughs> Y'all all going to die. So by this time, I got in a good relationship with JC Footwear that was in the co-op um, little mall. Across somewhere, yes, and, Bartow, and Bar- Bartow. Bartow. I have their number still wow. safe. JC Footwear, James Sneaker Service, um, by um, Gun Hill Webster over there, mm-hmm. 204, 204th Street, James um, Service, um, and lastly, Basic Footwear. That was my number one. I called those three first, and they'll hear my voice. Little little guy with a deep voice is him, whatever. But basics for the most part, they held me down. So I remember school started nine nine. Mind you, 9-11 is 9-11-2001. 9 I'll never forget it. The sneakers come out the 21st. I call them on the 7th, and they had the sneakers already two weeks early. Getting sneakers a week early or even two days early was a big deal, and I was about to pull off two weeks. This, two, this, this, weeks. Was, this is like monumental. So I learned, I, I, it's so funny that like with the branding, I really believe branding came from me like trying to cement myself with just dressing better than people because... I decided to go to um, Kennedy. I went to um, 113, and everybody I knew that went to 113 went to Truman 
or um, Evander because it was right there, all my friends. And I said, you know what? I want to rewrite history. I was here as like the guy behind everybody. If I go somewhere else and bring my sauce that my friends got because I felt like we were more fashionable, I'll be it. And I could cement myself immediately. So going there, right before school, I figured out like, okay, I called them. They said they're going to get it early. And I was like, oh, shit. I was a guy who had, I printed out papers. Some kids printed out Dragon Ball Z anime pictures. Yeah. I printed out, I used to go to um, sneaker, Air Jordan, air-jordan.com. And it was a site that deadass gave you all the information on Jordans. It was not affiliated with Michael Jordan at all. Yeah. And I printed out all the pictures of sneakers from September all the way to January. <laughs> so I knew what was coming. I knew the prices. And it was just, cool. people just relied on me like, wow, this guy's really good. He really knows what's going on. So, I remember calling Basics. They put my name on the box. I got my joints. Nine nine, I come in and I'm walking. I'm, I only know like three or four people in school. I come in and I'm walking in school. And this girls, guys, looking at me like yo. And I, another thing we taught, I, I learned. This was actually from being broke. So originally, you used to go to school. And I learned this from public school and middle school. My friends could be broke boys. It's like first day of school, first week of school. Everybody comes in fresh. They do. Super fresh. Of course. So, yeah. probably around the third fourth, week, fourth, fifth grade, I, we realized, like, yo, go mid the first four weeks. They don't know you. So, come in mid, so even your old shit's going to hit. Yeah. But then, end of September, October, my birthday's October 2nd, you start hitting the motherfucker. That's a fact. Boom. Oh, y'all played the first, second quarter. This third <laughs> quarter now, motherfucker, and you amp it up. Yep. But, I was like, you know what? With sneak with, with Jordans, how Jordans was getting popular, everybody gets a Jordan release date. So something would release, and everybody would have it that if it came out the twenty first, twenty first to the to the tenth of October, everybody's wearing those sneakers. But if I get it early, I get two lives. I get to wear it. I can whore it out until the next person gets it because it's only me. And everybody's gonna come see me. Come on, you. The internet is not as popular where you can go find everything. StockX, like yeah, yo, that kid in the gym class, go see what he has on. Yeah. Absolutely. Boom! So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna wear these three times out of the week, so they can just catch a glimpse. And that's what I did. First day, the ninth, wore it. Tenth, oh, I started out school with double period gym, and you know what I did? Because I was bossy, I wear those motherfuckers in gym to play <laughs> ball. So I wear them getting fresh, and I wear them playing ball. It's over. It's fresh me, and everybody in my first two period classes is in the rest of my class for the rest of the day, and all they do is talk about the little short kid. With them fucking things that ain't come out, and he's playing ball with them. Yes, it's a big they deal. They are tight. Girls are coming up to me, where you get your sneakers from, and some fire joints at the time. And I'm like, I no, can't I just, even tell I, you no, my... I just, I just do my thug. I just, I just do my thug. This is what I can't even tell you my spot. But they still like, nah, I'm going to just watch him. We wear the same size, because I'm short. <laughs> I wear a size six and a half. She wears six. It's like, if he got him, I could get him. You know? And that, and that actually built my legacy in Kennedy immediately. Like, I was just fly immediately off of that. And I had that connection for maybe... Probably like it wasn't the third year that people started getting stuff early too. Like I, first two years, I and even against like seniors would come to me like, "Yo, how does where he from?" And then you know other stores started seeing stores do it, and then they started doing it, and people weren't getting in trouble. I think the first store that let me get shoes early was uh, Mrs. Sports on Westchester Square. I know Mrs. Sports, and the funny thing about those places is what they would do is they'll tell you. Because um, everybody, everybody, I learned now that you get more money off the clothing than the actual sneakers for the most part. They'll tell you buy the sneaker cleaner, the shirt, or the pants so you can get the sneakers early. Basics. Shout out to Basics. Yeah, basics. Uh, Sean used to do that all the time. Sean's Pops. 
I would go in and I remember I wanted Chrome 8s and he was like, yo, you got to buy the t-shirt. And I'm like, yo, I don't want the t-shirt. And he's like, well, I'm not giving you the shoe unless you get the t-shirt. And I was yeah. just like, well, I don't want the shoe then. Fuck you then. And I started going to, to Mr. Sports. So then at that time, mm-hmm. does the Muggsy name come to life in that time frame? Oh, so actually that's exactly how it works. So um, I was just basically Jay at the time. You know, I had my little nicknames around the hood. It was nothing really cemented. Um, but once I got to school and I was the short person that played ball first and second period, it was kind of instant. It was like, this kid is short and he plays ball. He's like Muggsy Bogues. So I remember um, uh, one of my, uh, it's like two people I would say is responsible for the name. One of my African friends and another one of my friends who played ball. He was like upperclassman. He's probably like a, I don't know if he's a sophomore or junior at the time, but Yo, like, I'll be playing. He picked me up. Like, I got Muggsy. I got the short. Like, he, he was so good. He wanted the worst, not the worst person, but not somebody that you would think he could win with. And we used to win. We used to do our thing. And it kind of came to a point where I'm the cool kid with the sneakers, but I'm not talking to nobody because I went to school away from my hood. So I know like, four people, maybe five, the most. Yeah. And I didn't go that summer um thing, the yeah. summer building program where people met each other. I didn't do yeah. that. So I just remember... People call me that in gym. So I'm like, all right, an isolated incident. Call me that in gym. Like I said, everybody from the first, second period gym is in other classes. Now I'm going to other classes and they call me that. And I'm like, that nigga just called me? They just kept going, Muggsy, Muggsy. The Bogues wasn't there, just Muggsy, Muggsy, Muggsy. And I'm like, ah. And it just got to a point that my teacher called me that. And I'm like, ah. And I'm like, the coach called me that. Uh, so I'm like, all right, you know what? This is a school name. This is fine. This is no way it's going to ever There's go back no home. no way it's ever going to reach back home. So maybe this, the tail end of my freshman year, um, I used to go to the park in my hood all the time. That was like the hub for me and tips and like a couple of other of us. And I remember running into one of my guys from the block. He was an older dude. And he was in the hole. He's like, yo, Muggsy. No, matter of fact, somebody called me Muggsy. He's like, what? Why you just called you? And I'm like, yo, just relax. Please, please, please. I, didn't even say, I, I brushed it off, not thinking he was there. He was <laughs> ever. So now I come to the park, and he's like, yo, yo, Muggsy, come play ball with us. And I'm like, boy, if you don't, who's man's? Who's man's? And then, and then it was over. And then it just kind of like stuck around in the park, and then it grew. So it was like my block would call me Jay or whatever, and then. Park would call me Muggsy, and it just came a mixture, and then just like, I right, fuck it. And then I decided to brand it with the McFly because I actually, it's funny. I learned that nicknames stick. So, like, people have funny nicknames. Like, okay, Two Chains original nickname was Titty Boy. Titty Boy is something from the South where you're a mother's boy. Yeah. You'll stay on the titty longer. Yeah. So, it always has meaning. So, I, I said, let me keep the meaning with Muggsy no matter what, but let me add something to make it. Mine. Plus, there was Muggsy Bogues, and there was Muggsy. That's a basketball coach in the up, up, upper Bronx where I'm at from. So I was like, let me cement, let me brand it. I don't know why I knew this, but I just knew this. I'm like, let me brand it from early, and I'm a hugest fan of Back to the Future. And I was like, McFly, and I remember, I remember it was probably like a few years after MySpace because when MySpace opened, I my um, domain name was the Polo Prince because I did all Polo, and then <laughs> after the fact, I was so mad that I couldn't change it to Muggsy McFly. And I know my photo bucket stuff was Muggsy. I'll never forget all of that. So what was your aim screen name? My aim screen name was like 
you know when you get that trial shit and just give me some automatic like JJW4036 <laughs> like my address and my name mixed up and it's like this is never gonna work it's, it's not like who's gonna who is this guy it's just look like spam yeah then immediately after I got the name I most of me fly was everything AOL Yahoo Every, everything so you know I started branding earlier like let me just make sure I own all these things so now fast forward we're out of school we graduate we do the whole thing how do you get into party promoting okay so let's see um or better yet when did you get the party bug because because that's always two different time frames right because I'm pretty sure me and you are around the same age mm-hmm. so scream was a thing mm-hmm the Hammerstein Ballroom was a big thing at the mm-hmm. time when we were kids. Um, Mercury, what was the Mars Bar? I think it Mars, was. Mars 2112. Mars 2112. And there was a spot on 3rd Avenue that was very, very dangerous. That only went to like once. That was a team party as well. So I'll tell you this. I hated partying. And I didn't go to none of those places because my <laughs> friends wanted to go. And I'm like, y'all have fun. So I really hated partying. Um... I remember it very clearly, like, I did, I went to Gun Hill Projects to party, oh my god, I've done all the dangerous things you're not supposed to do, house party, my first house party, I got shot up, I got shot up, I I probably all of mine got shot up, but I'm here today, so God bless, Amen. but I I actually hated partying forever, it was just like, to appease my friends, it was just like, we're all on the block, and if y'all leave, then I gotta go home, and it's like, go home, or go sit in this party, ah, gotta sit in this party, fine, fuck it. So that's kind of how I got into partying, but I never liked it. So, um, cause I couldn't dance either. So um, now I'm not dancing as a motherfucker, but I couldn't dance with girls all by myself. So I was like, what am I doing here? Playing the wall. Playing the fucking wall flower. <laughs> oh, but that was what, like, I was, I was, I was keen to study. And so I'm like, I want to dance with a girl, but I can't dance. And I've seen the guys holding up the wall, but dancing. I'm like, wait a minute. Hey, you don't got to do shit on the wall. So I eased in my way that way first. Then, yeah. you know, I learned then, you know, most Jamaican dancers, they're instructive. You know, uh, move this way. Left foot, right foot, foot up, kick. I've, I've been saying that that reggae music is the most instructional music. No, by, it, it, the, by far. The, it's the a choreography workout. is really crazy. So I was able to learn that stuff instantly. But then um, I was out of school. I graduated school, um, school 2009 and I didn't have a job. So um, my friends, my friend, my friends threw a party. And like I had a lot of good friends, and they started throwing parties like '07. So it was like in between school and stuff. They started throwing parties. So um, I feel like I was a, a um, that kind of crossed my 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 palate, and I was just like interested because my friends do it all the time. And then I'll I never forget somebody hit me and was like, um, my um, my boss. My boss wants my boss wants you to throw a party at his um at his um club and I'm like what like that's I don't throw no fucking parties I left it alone passed it then my birthday came around and I remember one of my really good friends was like yo matter of fact no no before that lighter from Tracy Towers knew me and my friend and wanted us to do a party to get light nigga yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. It's amazing. Shout, shout out to Lighter. He yeah. he he was on a lot of good like no, dance party. I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. He he actually um I threw my very first party with Lighter first, and then um that passed, and then my friends wanted to do a party. I did it like just for the monetary value. Like I used to think like 
I seen I seen the money you can make off a of lighters party, just promoting. And I didn't put up no money, and I'm like, whoa! I put up money. I bet you I make more. Got part of another party, made money, and I'm like, okay. And that was for the money thing because I'm not working. I'm not doing it at the time. Yeah. Then I threw my own party, and it was like, whoa! This is just me. All right, this is where I need to be. I was already popular. I didn't like the party, but now it became showmanship. After lighter party, I played the wall all the time. Party with my friends. It's us bouncing off each other. Everybody looking at us, getting new outfits. Became the vibe. Go go set the party date. Go to mad parties to promote. Get an outfit the day before the party. Go out, show out, get pictures. Cool. And another thing. Oh, one thing I'm leaving out. Besides the money, the number one reason anybody wanted to party was to have MySpace pictures. <laughs> it's really as simple as that. Seven days and seven nights was very important. I, yo, it's funny. I posted the other day and somebody said seven days, seven nights is wild to have that picture. And I'm like, yo, I have so much of those. It's not even, it's not even like weird to me. Like it's just a part of my life. It's a life. rite of passage. Yeah, exactly. I think it was between, if I'm not mistaken, it was between uh, seven days, seven nights and what's poppin.net. Yes, and I have both of those, plenty of them. And I, I even have important. the the variant of seven days, seven nights, Caribbean. Ah, yes. yes, I remember yes. that. So, but no, nah, but that that's kind of how I got into partying, and then um, yeah, just got it. Only amplified the popularity, the name, the branding, and good fits, good parties, good vibes. So you slowly go from there, then you become the mayor, and that that plays a role. And this is all, and this is all not even getting into like the mayor, the mayoratorial ship of the name, but this popularity is right, growing. So. It's funny that the party actually did create the mayor persona. It actually, at, it's the only, the mayor thing is a joke of a party. Yeah. And the why it's a joke of a party is because being a party promoter and having people that are friends, like Lighter, my friend Randall Rock, he gave me the name mayor. My friends throwing parties and I'm being a promoter is that we have like an alliance. It's like, okay, Rob has a party at September, I have a party in October. Rob, I need to come to your party in September to promote my party in October, and your ticket is free at mine, so we're free at both. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. I do that with six, seven people. I'm at every party for free. To this day, I go to almost any party for free in the Bronx, for sure. And even out in the Bronx, I still find a way. But that was basically the deal. So I remember um, Randall, my friend, he's a promoter in the city. He do his parties with Lighter as well. What he would do is he didn't drive, and I drove. You know, I was one of the responsible. I actually, people have... I actually had a license and everybody else doing craziness. And I was I had control when I drank. So he'd be like, yo, we going from the city. Oh, party in the city now. Party in the city. I used to party uptown. I was like, you're coming in the city now. Like, build my name in the city. Okay, cool. It's promotion. All I do is drive, park, look pretty, sit down in VIP, get a bottle. I don't got to see nothing. Nobody getting free. He buys food for us. When we get, when we get, we go to dinner later, drop home everybody. It's cool. It's a good night. It's free. And it's brand building, which I didn't know at the time, but it was. Yeah. So, I remember one night he was drunk and a bunch of us in the car and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, yo, I just realized like, you don't pay for shit. And I'm like, um, why the fuck would I pay for anything? Yo, you fucking came down here. I put gas in the car. You got to sit down VIP with bitches and the bottles. And then you got, then, we, then you get fed. They give you free food and bitches on your body. And then you come back and you just go home in your night. It's just like that. Who the fuck you think you is? You think you're the fucking mayor? And we just started laughing. Like, yeah, you think you're the fucking mayor. Uh, uh, and I'm like, yeah, you the secret service. Uh, and my friend, you the governor. Uh, we laughing. And it just became a thing with me. So I party and like, yo, mayor, we out. And it's like, all right, cool. But it was a joke just because I don't pay for shit. But at the same time, 
I was the per the voice of reason when it came to my friends and stuff. So the male, the actual acts was there, but the name came from, yo, he don't pay for parties, and it was a joke. So, at that time, in the midst of partying, is fashion still in your head to to make, or is it just watching other brands at the time? Um, it wasn't in my head to make until two thousand and ten, eleven, mm-hmm. and. Admit to that, like right before that, that probably what I'm talking about is like a eight, nine, ten, like eight, nine, about to get out of school, partying. So it was easy to transition from going out partying for free, building my name to getting paid to party because now I'm out of school and I don't want to do nothing. So I could have way more time, even though I still used to go party late Sunday morning, get up for class to go to um, St. John University, an hour away on the bus. In the morning, easy morning classes. Yeah. I, I still was able to finesse it, so I can. I think that's where my insomnia comes from now. But whatever. But it was just in me to just be fly, go to school, go to parties. So I'm going to parties. Then I'm going to St. John's University. And I'm representing the Bronx. Cause I'm the only Bronx nigga there. Yeah. So it's like I just doing it to compete. Then um, I ran into my friends. I think 2010, mm. and they had like clothing. And they were all, the whole crew was dressed in clothing, and it was just really cool, because I'd never seen nobody doing that. And I'm like, wow. They look really organized. They look really organized. Wait, 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 I'm wrong. There's a step right before that. And I was in the Soho. It's funny, Tips was there with me, and we both have this. I know he still has a shirt, too. I don't know where my shirt is. But we were, like, walking in Soho. Before I knew it was Soho, um, and we were walking to stores, transit, and whatever. Just walking up and down. And these guys are skateboarding, and they have... I'm a f- polo fanatic. Everybody knew that. I've always been for, like, the longest. Um, and that's why I love Kanye. Um, these guys have on this polo horse. It's huge. It's the size of the shirt. But instead of the guy having, like, the club, he has a, a gun. Like, he's a revolutionary war sergeant. And I'm like, whoa. Immediate. It's actual streetwear. This is exactly how it sparks. Which I'm actually going to recreate this. Maybe this year. I might recreate it. I love that shit. It, it really... And the brand was called Lola Couture. And it really sparked my interest. And I seen it. And we see these guys with the shirts. I'm like, yo, I want we want shirt. I want that shirt. Tips wants a shirt. And somebody else wants that shirt. They're like, all right, cool. And we go like three blocks with them. They all on their skateboards. And then we go up, upstairs a building. We don't know these white guys. <laughs> shit. Super sketchy. Super. But it's not. I ain't gonna lie. Like eight, nine black kids. It's like, yeah, try it. We are gangster. <laughs> we are stupid gangsters. Three, four of y'all. And then um, they go upstairs and there's this beautiful loft. And like they live all the way upstairs. But at the bottom, they had their selling clothes. And they just bought the clothes, maybe $40. And it was my favorite shirt for years. Years upon years, and that was the first spark of streetwear until it hit home where I see it right into my friends who were making the brand. Yo, this episode of Live from the Stoop podcast is sponsored by Subway Sound Network. Do you have a podcast you're looking for a place to record? Need editing? Need engineering done for your show? Subway Sound Network is the best place to record uptown. Email Subway Sound Network at gmail.com and type in Stoop 50 to receive $50 off your first podcast. Podcast recording, y'all. Subway Sound Network, voice of the people, voice of the streets. Now back to the show. Isn't it dope though? Because I remember that first, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say like you had the brands in Soho, right? But do you remember that small intersection piece 
block in a building that was like a whole bunch of like small little streetwear vendors. Yes. And you would walk in. That was like the first sign of streetwear. To me, like on the street. It wasn't yeah. like the person who was selling it was the person making it. Yeah, no, I, it's funny. Like you used to walk one corner and someone is making, had an airbrush and somebody else is doing a painting and someone else is doing something they drew on. But it's funny because even that was even before that time is even before that's after what I'm talking about now. Like running into the Lola guys, it was like legit. No one was selling stuff. It was just like the nice low key spot to shop because no one knew about it. Yeah, and it's crazy how it's the it spot now. So you see your friends uptown. They have a brand. They have a brand, um, and I'm infatuated with it. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, I need everything. And then they end up doing it, and they're like, yo, we could get you the shirts, and you don't gotta pay for it. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, but do commercials for us. So this is the first people that actually taught me that my likeness has worth. So me and Tips, you know, Tips would rap and do stuff. Then me and him did like three or four photo shoots with them. Um, And it really became a thing. Like, it was just like, I'm wearing it, I'm sporting it, and people would want it. So being me, being a good-hearted person, I'm like, yo, give me the stuff. I'll sell it for no money. I'm just, here's your money. (laughs) Yeah. They're like... What? Yeah, yeah. And people started believing it was my brand, and that might have been right where it clicked. Like, wait a minute, I can do this. I can do this. Yeah, I don't need to necessarily rely on someone else. So, so now that the gears are moving, the plans are starting, and you're like, all right, I want to start a brand. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, what the fuck do I do next? Um. Okay. So first, I went to them. And I wanted to create. And thinking about it now, it makes perfect sense. They was like, nah. They didn't say nah, but they kind of shrugged me off. Like the polite, I'll get back to you type shit. The industry shit. The industry shit. And I was like, damn. Then I hit another one of my friends who family had a brand. They didn't have no presence in New York. And I was like, yo, can I help y'all? Like, cold turkey. A couple of people had already hit me and asked me about the brand, about the guys' brands I was selling. And it was like, oh, I thought this was your brand. I thought this was your brand. Thought this was your brand. The last straw was Noel. Good friend of mine, Noel Bronson. Um, I went to Noel and I was telling him, like, yo, like, I know he worked in the store and everything. I'm like, yo, I try to do the brand shit. It's not happening. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then he's like, yeah, I know, how you, I know what you mean. I'm starting my brand pure. This is 2012, maybe early 2013. I'm starting my brand pure. I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. Let <laughs> me help. Yeah. Says it in the coolest voice ever. No. Do your own. And that <laughs> was the end of the conversation. And I just left my mouth agape like, wait. Do my own. A couple months later, I dropped. So, yeah. How did... He did. Then, he dropped. He might have dropped in like April. I dropped in August. And... In that time now, you're learning. How does everything that you learn as far as media promotion and party promotion go into your brand? Well, everything, I feel like every experience you go to will become tools in what you want to do. So it was just natural. I promote parties. I can promote clothing. It's the same animal. It's even easier because I don't, I don't want to wear a flyer. I'll wear a shirt and you're going to see it. And I'm going to look good wearing the shirt. And it might not look like promotion because you don't know it's mine. So I already had those capabilities. I used to use Paint and paint the application on Windows first. 
And I used to, I remember, it's funny, they do a lot of custom host flyers now. But I never, when me and my friends were promoting, I never knew of anybody doing host flyers before us. We used to take the, the flyer and put your picture on top of it. And you used to make it your avatar for MySpace. And that's why our promotion was so good. Because all our friends that we invited, we'll make them flyers. Like here. Just so they could feel like it was their party. Ah, uh, yes. That was a big deal. If, yeah. was a, if you saw your face on the party thing, you felt important. Yeah, so it was a really, really big thing. And it came to a point where I was able to make gifts for them, where it light up and it changed. Like, I, I really got fancy. And I, know, I have no idea what I was doing. So that promotion and content marketing came from partying. So I, it just was naturally in me. The whole clothing thing, I had to figure it out. I used to make clothes when I was younger for, like, Jordan releases here and there. And then I just try to figure out the printing. I, ne- I have to give a, a, a shout-out to um, Will Fry. I don't know if you know Will Fry. Will Fry, like, he used to, when the Brooklyn, when the Nets first came to Brooklyn, he took the Givenchy prints and made, like, this Brooklyn Nets jersey that whole war, and it was really fancy. I remember I was using this site um, called Jack Prince to print um, clothing, and I, my files were bad. I didn't know, but it came, all the files were coming back horrible. And I woke Will Fry, like, on the whim, like, yo, bro, I need help trying to make this and that. And he wrote me, and he had a conversation with me every time I wrote him. And then he caught me left, because I'm like, I'm trying to do sublimation, and this is what I'm getting. He's like, yo, I got a site that, I usually do factory now, but I got a site that you could use. And he threw, he gave me the same site I was using. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I'm on the right track. I just got to figure it out. Amazing. And after that, I figured out that my files were doo-doo. And <laughs> I figured it out, and I had my release eventually. So in the midst of that, I think also was very important is apprenticeship, right? Mm-hmm. And where do you... So you had the skill, but talent without hard work isn't, you know what I mean, doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. So where do you feel like you start honing your skills? Because uh, I know, like, the Bronx plays very different roles for you, so I know you started working at a print shop. Well, honestly, I never worked at a print shop. I actually... um, I actually... um. I walked into a print shop and I um I just started asking questions. Honestly. And <laughs> it just came to a point where it was like, um, let's just help this guy. Like just, he, he seems act, passionate. Like, all right, so basically I I Noel it's funny. Noel knows um the guy and I came in there, I come into the store, I remember and I'm like, yo, my boy Noel told me that you do this and he's like I come in, there's a bunch of computer equipment and cameras and stuff. I'm like, this guy's a photographer. Like, what is this? <laughs> and he's like, um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I used to make shirts. So I don't really do that no more. And I'm like, so you can't help me? So what do you need help with? I show him all my designs. He looks at them. Nice, nice. You can't sell those. I said, what? So you can't sell those. So what do you mean? He said, <laughs> sell your designs, make the money. Just design. Don't make a clothing line. I said, no. <laughs> it's not what and I want to do. he's like, trust me. Like, you cannot sell these designs. Then a customer walks in, and he, the customer goes right along with him. Like, yeah, those are nice, but you should sell those. And I'm like, yeah, fuck both of you guys. And I left. Um, I came back. Prideful. I come back, come back a, a couple months later, and I'm asked, I just called him to pick his brain. He's like, oh, there you are. I was looking for you. I'm actually going to turn this into a print shop in a few months. Come back. Okay. Two months later, it's a full-blown print shop. And I just asked him to make phone cases because he don't know how to make the shirts I wanted. And I learned to make phone cases. Then I learned to make shirts. Then I learned to make that's everything. The, that's the smallest. It, it's crazy because 
when you hear about people going to Parsons and FIT, they start in accessories. Yeah. And then they work their way into clothing. So how did phone cases become like the thing where you was like, I'll start here? Well, one, um, again, the, the power of broke. You know, like the power job. of broke. So I don't have the money or the know-how to do um, clothing. I don't even know what direction to go, but I wanted something that just lets you know that I'm doing something. I want a promotion. Yeah. And I tell everybody, for the most part, you don't got to even use someone's phone, but you will see their phone as much as you see them. Key point, both our phones are right here. You've seen my case before. Yeah. Exactly. People think that's my case. It's not. But I learned, like, I don't have the shirt yet. I could give you a sticker, I could give you a business card, whatever. But the phone case now is automatic conversation. It is. What is that? Why your phone? I'm gonna make sure it's, it was something a nice, beautiful dream graphic. Simon McFly, real small on the side. No major logo yet. I'm like that's gonna be my that's gonna be my item because everybody owns a phone. It's iPhone four times. There wasn't too much variations. Yeah. Boom. Half the world got Android. Half the world got iPhone. I'll still win. And a lot of us were converting at the time. So I'm gonna go iPhone case. It cost me don't like pennies to make. Yeah, and I make a quick flip, and it's promotion forever. So I went there. It was, I don't know what made me so tactical at the time to think like, yo, phone cases. That's a ticket. Yeah. So I did that, and I was just really the opening to like. And um, at the time, of course, when phone cases, well, for most of the time, it was one size fit all. So yeah. I didn't have to worry about small, medium, large, extra large, two X, three X. Just whatever. made the made, made one phone case. It fit. If another one comes out, plus another one, I have two, and I'm good. So that's what I was doing for a while, and eventually being in a print shop, I just learned other things and options, started making with vinyl and embroidery and then regular print, DTG and screen print and sublimation and full circle. So it's pretty much you you got your interning from the streets. Yeah, because it wasn't like I was interning. Again, the power broke. I'd come into this print shop, and I'd want one case, and he's like, Bro, that's like ten five dollars. Like, you're not doing nothing for me. So I'd have to wait, and I'll never forget. I'd have to wait, and they'd they'd, they'd cut my ass. They'll make jokes, whatever, all this stuff. And I remember the, one of the guys that worked there, and he came to me. He said, "Yo, listen, the simple fact that he speaks to you when you come in here and says anything to you, he likes you. Don't take it offensive. Just wait it out, and you're gonna get your job done, no matter what. Just wait it out. And I did that for years upon years." Come there and do the thing, whatever, whatever. To the point when I was like, hmm, should take so long. I'm getting what I want at a good price. Now I got to be more efficient. Boom. Let me help you make my case. All right. Now this is where I'm getting an internship because you want me to do this job and you want to get paid. And guess what? I don't want a discount. I'll just do it and still pay you. So now I'm coming. You're sitting back. My little bullshit job while you're doing the big people job, you're getting paid. Ticket. Bingo. All right, now I'll do it. Now I learned that I got the skill to make it. So I get in nice. I'm making stuff for them that has I'm not getting paid for. I'll make that for you. I know how to do it. You, I do it every day now. Boom. Now instead of me waiting for one, I can make my 10 as long as I made their five. Exactly. I made their five. To the point where it's like, I would, sometimes he'd drop gems, but sometimes I'll just be sneaky. I, oh, we ran out of phone cases. He's on the internet. He just ordered them. He ordered a bundle for $3 and he's charging me 5 Boop, get my own material. Now I'm just printing there. Still helping him work. 
cut costs <laughs> in half. Now, when Robbie Digital hits me and wants on the Stoop podcast, he wants the, the case. Guess what? I make fame too. I just got the knowledge and the connect and the place to make it for myself and you. Yeah. Build again. Then I move on. I learn the printing. Guess what? I came to make three shirts for myself. But now it's taking too long. I'm going to print it myself and still pay you. Now I'm going to help you for free. Now you up the ante now. Boom. Fuck the phone cases. The shirts now. You usually charge me $10 a shirt, right? I do the shits myself. Charge me six. All right. Anybody come to the store and want something, I'm going to charge them the same price he charged, but I get my cut. There the business starts. How long are you at the print shop? I don't. I, I can't even tell you years. I I actually probably been in the print shop all the way from 2000 to 2017, maybe. Like relatively new. Like I was still there even when I wasn't like needing it. Like I just go there do my stuff. But I was there. Like I would be there all the time till I opened Clout. I was probably there every day, other day, like and two years. I'm glad you you mentioned Clout Control because that brings up to the next step. You know, we both know uh, know Vinny. Yeah, and he was telling me about when he opened his first store and how much he had learned from his mentor. Yeah. But it seems like life was your mentor. Yeah, that's really what it was. So it was a lot of trial and error to get things right. Like, that, like, the, like, dude, I, I love him, Tone, he never taught me anything direct. He would, he would speak in riddles, ridicule me, <laughs> and just do things and then figure it out. Like, I'll make business cards. And I'll be making a template in Photoshop, and the template is wrong. And he'll be like, yo, your file is wrong. What's wrong with it? And he's not telling me. Go figure it out, or I'm not printing it. Yo, I, I, used, to, I used to print, print like, with the printing world, you have accounts. You have to have a certain account to send business cards to get them for wholesale prices. So we all used to use his account, the store account. And he's like, yo, y'all got to stop using my account. And I'm like, then what I'm going to do? He said, make your own. Noel flashes, and I'm like... I realized, yo, if I make my own, I'm not relying on you. I don't got to know when it comes for you. I can just get it myself. Yeah. Teaching me how to fish instead of getting me fish. But he's not saying that. So I have to be privy to just be smart enough to realize what's going on. Absolutely. So I have to learn that now I learned that I can learn from everyone can be a teacher. It's just how you feel like absorbing the information. So that kind of how is how I learned. Even, and I even learned from his mistakes. Like, he messing up on stuff. It's like, oh, I'm not going to do that. And then what? at what point will you say, you was like, yo, I think I want to own a store? Because um, that's a big deal. Um, uh, A little. It's not a big deal. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't find that. Oh, big. come on. Come on. Come on. No, no, now, no, 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 like I, a black I, man owning a store no, I really, in, in, in a mall, that's no, a huge thing. That's It's funny. It, it is and it isn't. Like, okay. Like optical, optical. Yeah, I understand. But Perception like, is the reality. Yeah. You broke a glass ceiling that no no one had seen before. I, you got a you got a good point, but I, I don't know. It just it just was a natural flow of things. The story was honestly for freedom, which mean which I actually have to give up more freedom to get the freedom. <laughs> like go go be a slave for two years to be free for the rest of your life. But um, basically, I started traveling a lot, and the brand was bigger so I'd be away in Dubai or some shit or whatever that was not a stunt that just actually happened um, <laughs> I'm away and people want stuff and it's like bro it's 5pm there it's 5am here I cannot help you there's no way I can get this for you so 
it just got to a point like I need to be everywhere. The clothes have to be able to have a life of its own. Mm-hmm. So it's like if I have a base where someone can go and get stuff, I'll be good. So I started monitoring how much money I had saved up after um, like a month. Like, could I pay rent? And I started shopping places, and I did a pop up in the mall before. I connected with the person that handles the specialty leasing, and boom, fast forward, I end up getting a chance to get the spot on discount. So, you're live from the stoop podcast with me, Robbie Digital. Well, what, what is live from the stoop? Live from the stoop is just a conversation that I have with people from different walks of life about how they got from the stoop to where they are today from art, music, design, culinary you name it, you'll, you'll find it here. So uh, sit back, relax, and if you do like, make sure you rate, review, and comment. And most importantly, subscribe. Now let's get back to the show. Let's go. So life's teacher. Life's teacher. That, I feel like where we come from, that's usually our teacher. Where our mentor, our mentors are our mistakes. Um... Yeah, I mean, if you make it that, because that could be also your sign to stop. A lot of people stop. So you you decide if you want to, you know, do I really want to continue, like, doing this? Like, you take, everybody tell you signs differently. So. so now you're sitting in this office with this, with this special projects, real estate agent, what have you, for this mall, and you're like, and they're talking, telling you the numbers at that time, did at any point you feel like, yo, I'm stepping into something that I had never seen before? Did anybody else in your family own a business? No. Um, but I just, I, I don't like, at the end of the day, I tell people, it's like that little story they tell you. Um, fish only get as big as his, um, as his, as his, as his pond, as his pond, as his bowl, as any yeah. body of water he's in. You know, like goldfish actually could get really big. Like people just don't know they really get big. Um, and I feel like if you're gonna do it, like where am I aiming for? If I'm aiming to be this, then where else am I gonna do this? I gotta have to do this eventually. Mm-hmm. I gotta have a space where clothes can be sold without me being there. That's the mission because um, reading um, uh, what's that Asian guy that cash flows and stuff like that. I forgot the um, the four. The four cash flow court, um, uh, I forgot. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, him. Okay, yeah. So I've learned that there's four sectors. You know, there's employed, self-employed, big business, which is still self-employed, and investor. Self-employed, you're an employee for someone. Uh, Regular employed, you're an employee for someone, of course. Self-employed, you're an employee for yourself. That's where a lot of people get caught because right there, you do it yourself. You become a perfectionist. You don't want nobody to help you. You can't without you. The business is dead. Big business now. That's where longevity stands. Because now, if I can leave and the business can stand, my time is free, and I don't have to get out of bed to make wealth. An investor, a little bit more of a gamble, but it's just your money talking for you. Which most people want to get on that side of the investor in a big business because you ain't got to do much actual physical work. But people don't talk about. That transition is work. Yeah, it is. It's a so, lot of work. So now you're going from like, yeah, I'm making clothes. It's cool. I got to make 
a, a store name. I got to make a sign. I have to build out a store. I have to look at a layout. I have to look at blueprints and build things and put it to my the way I like it. All of that had to be very new shoes to fill. Um, yeah, and yeah, no, because I come from when Kith was in the back of Atrium. So I like, I, I always went to these stores and seen it, and then you go from Atrium to Kith, and it's like, whoa. Like how, step into a hallway, how things look different. And I always was like, I'm naturally, I'm not an online shopper. I'm a Soho street walker. So I have those experiences in my head. I want my store on Broadway, right off Prince. I want it right there. That would have been it. Because the traffic is there, the vibe is there. That's where I'm from. So I always look at it like that. Like, okay, what makes sense? So, and I just know how I want to be perceived everywhere I go. I'm going into Galleria. All right, I want to owe to my, my block. I got gates, actual gate from Home Depot, gates like you climb, that we used to have, mm-hmm. and brick, like our buildings, and and metal piping, like, where we're from. Like everything is from the hood. And then I have the crates sitting there as seats, like legit how we used to sit on our stoops. You want a couple of people on the stoops, some people on the crates, some people hanging on the gate. Legit, that's my roots. So, you know, I'm bringing my culture somewhere else. So I want to represent the culture when I get in. So now you, growing up with your mom, mm-hmm. being the oldest, how does she take you? On this entrepreneurial journey, how does she what? How does she perceive that? Were you like, Ma, I'm gonna oh, make a close. Ma, she, I'm gonna open a store. She is shitting bricks. <laughs> <laughs> because as the oldest, a lot is riding on you. Well, it's actually more than that because my sister has autism, so it's way more riding on me, which is kind of the worst because I'm the first on my. On my mother, on my grandmother's side, I'm the first child to graduate college, period. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot. So, it, it was just a, it's a lot of pressure. Like, you know, I he's smart, and then he reaches this level, and he doesn't want to do what he paid to go to school for. St. <laughs> John's is 30K, which we're never paying him. 30K, and it's like... American dollars. American. Not euros, <laughs> but American dollars. But, like, come on, like... So you go to and, a good school, and I always tell people like you know parents instill these fears into you, which I understand, but it's still kind of like it's unfair. Like you do, they don't want you to come off the railing, so they kind of keep you in a box. Like oh no, you should do this, you should do that, get a job here, get a job there. And it's like nah, mom, that's not it. So it was kind of conflicting for her because she's like wants me to get a job, and I'm not getting a job, and it's like <laughs> not gonna happen. But now, I mean, she loves it. She loves it here. Of course, but I think that's every parent. And I think rightfully so, because you know she's like, I just want the best for you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, but, but the best, what you may think is the best for me may not be the best for me. Exactly. So what does she say that moment when she sees you open the store? Well, she didn't even see it. She just heard it. She's like, you're opening the store. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, she was kind of like, you know, for, for her to be holding my hand in the gallery as a kid and then me opening the store there, it's kind of like, didn't see that coming, like you know. And you're probably the youngest owner in the mall at the time too. Yeah, I definitely was by far. But um, yeah, it was a good surprise to her. Something she could brag about, you know. <laughs> you could tell someone your your son has a brand until 
you see an actual physical store in a mall they've been to, or he's on the news, or he has an article on whatever platform. So, yeah, it's just bragging rights for your mother. You know, make your mom proud. So, in that moment, now that you've opened the store, the store is building, the, the network that you want is building, how do you keep yourself motivated into the next step and what was that, or is that next step? What do you mean? So, cloud control is building, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, now what is the next step for Muggsy? Like, I've done this. Now you, you have this big, big store in White Plains. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but I'm not home. Well, how does that culminate? Well, I, I don't really move too fast. So, like, it's kind of like having kids. Because if you have a kid, let's say you have kids close to each other, somebody can get neglected. You have to have a good balance. So, with clout, is like, all right, I'm going to give it as much attention as I possibly can before I can even think about making any other moves. But you have to kind of, like, not be set in stone plans. It's more like water. You got to flow the right way. The winds and the, and the and the earth bring you. So my original plan was to have clout control and then eventually build it in other um, states and other malls because all malls are related to an extent. So if I build up the numbers in my mall and become the best store in the mall, then it's like, okay, who Pacific, regional, whatever the name of the person that runs this mall, this brand of mall, they have it in other states. This gallery is in Everywhere. Toronto. Yeah. So all I got, it's easy. They're all sisters. I can just make the call. Like, yo, tell them that I'm the best store in the mall and let me see if I can get in. What's the price? And that would have been it. After we do travel to every state, every other month. All right. I see that I got some clothes there. And it's a galleria. It ties in. Boom. That was the main plan at first, but I've Plans changed. Always change. I've changed that plan. Um, one major, major reason is because of COVID, which is fine. But now I've tend to um, tone back. Um, it's kind of more so like I feel like there was a time. I don't know if any, anybody that's really into sports would know. There was a time where Kobe, Kobe, um, Shaq at eleven. Kobe was playing, and they were going against the Suns first round. And Kobe might have shot a lot, like, the first few yeah. games. And he was scoring a lot. And he was on some shit like, yo, I'm going to pass. I'm not even going to shoot. And that's not Kobe. And I feel like with the store, I passed a lot because, you know, I was the, the, head, the, head, the head of that. And I was making a platform for other brands. And I'm telling them, like, yo, I need you guys to be, like, at least half of my time. Because if we all come together and do that, I'll be selfless. I'll take a back seat to help everybody else. Mm-hmm. But... I'm not gonna say everyone. It was pretty good, but then the pandemic hit, and then a lot of people didn't survive. So it came back to just being me, running and showing alone. And I'm like, am I gonna hold a platform for people that might not ever return, or will I build my brand to the best of my abilities and revisit this, or do it in a different way? Because I could definitely do it for a different way because I already care. So I had to make the decision, like, no, you know what? The brand is doing so great that I need to, I want to be able to even inspire in the point that, oh, this guy's on White Plains Road. So I wanted to come back home. I was like, you know what? Even I had to watch the signs because the thing about, uh, uh, like, being a creative, it's kind of hard not to have control, creative control especially. With the mall, I can't be there past a certain time. Stores are closing. I have no control over it. They're supposed to remodel. I have no control of that. But now where I'm going now, just for Simon McFly, I have all control. I can be there 4 a.m. if I want to. I can do jobs whenever I want. 
So I wanted that control because now I can max out my potential no matter what. And it sounds like the intent for clout control was not only to build your own brand, but to give people opportunities that you kind of wanted in those doors that weren't open for you, open those doors for other people. That's exactly what it was. Like, I don't think there was any, like, I ran into stores and tried to get, you know, um, placements and stuff. Sammy's is now, like, Web, um, WebMD. Um, WebMD. And I, <laughs> I went there a thousand times trying to get my stuff in there. I used to take days of the week to just go in stores and ask. And I went, I remember Sammy's, H&Y, all these places don't exist no more. It's crazy. Um, For You gave me a chance. Jalil and... Um, over there, um, platform. platform, platform, give me a platform. So yeah, that was that was really it. And then you know things changed and moved. I did my pieces here, came out. Lee had a flood, so most of my last stock came out. So that was it. And Jala was making some other moves, and we had some plans. And so it all tied back into me. And I was like, you know what? Let me just be that platform because I feel like I'm more in tune with the current brands today. And now, now that you have some by McFly. It seems that out of most, but mostly everybody I know, I think you are the most intimate in tune with your consumer base. That they know who you are, they see you, and you personalize it by sometimes damn near bringing it to them. Well, yeah, because um, I realized that there's two things. I mean, the more times I'm outside, the more I'm doing, the more money I'm going to make. So it's instant work translates. The return on investment is right there. If I'm in the mall, I have no I have no control. It's like people could come if they want. But if I'm around, people are going to buy. The more I'm around, the more they're going to come see me. The more they're going to buy. And I also, um, I treat events like these little mini days and seeing people, I can treat them like pop-ups. It's kind of like events to meet me, to post me, to do all that other theatrics. It's an experience every time. So I sell the experience as well. So... I just learned like the value of my celebrity. So I'm like, all right, if that's what you want and you're paying for it, hey, I'm here. But it also seems like you learned your consumer base as well because you tapped into a female market that most people, most men are very apprehensive about. Like that's something that I feel like a lot of people most brands, they start with making T-shirts for men, 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 men. And you, although that's probably how you started, I would say predominantly your, your, your consumer base is women. <laughs> Which is a gift and a curse, but more so on a marketing standpoint, that's genius. Well, okay. Okay, so it's really funny because I really have science for this. Um, well, one... I am the girl's damn sugar. No, I'm taking that. I, <laughs> the girl's damn sugar. I, okay. am, I am very, very close with girls. I have a great relationship with females. I love girls. Girls love me back. That's just what it is. From the party promotion, I was always just a gentleman. I used to go out a lot, and every female that partied, I'd be the guy that they'd dance with because I'm not trying to hit on them. I'm just having a good time. So I have a lot of good relationship with just females. So that was one. That's just the basis. Like, that's a cool guy. You know, whatever. Secondly... Again, like I go out, so I understand how girls like to dress, even the girly and the not girly. Um, and then I just kind of make sure I appease to them. Like I shoot it, women, not with a gun on a camera. I shoot women and everything. So I make sure to show them that it's unisex. And I learned from early, and this is just from being outside. 
if Rob gets a, a nice Supreme hoodie and I'm like, yo, where you got that from? Rob might say, yo, chill, chill, chill. Like early in the podcast, like I said about my sneakers, yo, chill, chill, chill. I can't put you on. A female. So that means Rob still ends with Rob. His man's not getting it. If his girl is lucky, maybe. But he'd probably be like, I don't want her matching me. So it was a dub. So it was just him. Yes, very Rob much so. female, she gets it. And another female says, well, you got that from girl. She pulls up her phone, her Instagram, and shares this, the website, and everything. So she gets for her kid, her man, her sister, and the random stranger on the street. Females are more prone to share drip and compliments. If a brother, if I don't know Rob and I like his hoodie, I'm not going to run down and say, I like your hoodie. The chance, if you really get a nigga to come up to you and ask you where you got something from and they like it, they're going to rob you. It's one or the other. Or you are extremely drippy, sir. That's it. That's it. So one out of three, you're 33% chance that you're extremely drippy, sir. Yeah. Women, that's just it. You're so cute. We should hang out. Now they have their number, Instagram, and their shoe size. That's how women function. And once I noticed that, it's like, guess what? Even if I dress a girl in some fire sneakers, Rob can appreciate her sneakers at accent and I'll still get Rob money. But if I only um, aim to appease Rob, I get Robin done. Interesting. Yeah, that that actually was one of my extremely mental situations. Do you think, and that was that was that trial by fire as well? No, that actually just what I've seen. Mm. That's that that's insightful. Like I'm not gonna lie, that's that's pretty much one of those moments. But then you then you also have a pivotal moment too, Muggsy. You you make your own shoe. So that had to be another moment in and of itself where you're like, all right, I've made clothes and making clothes have been fun. (laughs) (laughs) Like I've I've mastered this skill. How do I reinvent myself? How do I re-inspire myself? uh, The shoe was actually a big, well, it was two. It was breaking out of comfort zone and the big fuck you to other brands. I'll be completely honest. And not, I fuck with everybody. So I'm not like subbing anybody. It was just fuck you to brands, period. Because, you know, I feel like it's a weird environment we're in. Um, I feel like people can post and do things and it looks like their brand is bigger than it is and whatever. And I don't feel like people, you know, you can make one t-shirt and that's it. You can't really make one sneaker all the sizes. And I can't, you can't order this. You can order the shirt and wait a week and two and get it. You're not going to order these sneakers and wait four to five months. So if I'm going to sneakers, I'm going to sneakers. I'm going deep. If I'm going footwear, I have to go knee deep yeah. into that. I got to put my foot in it. No pun intended. Or all pun intended. But that, that that's really what it is. So um, one, I, I, I like I said, when I talk about the pro cats, I originate from making sneakers. I mean, from loving sneakers. So I wanted to come from a circle. And I feel like it was a test in itself for me where it's like, anybody can make a shirt or a hat. And they'll support it. It's way harder to get someone to wear your actual shoes. It's someone wear your sneakers. Like I, we get free sneakers all the time, and it's not like we rush to go put them on. We don't even wear the free shit. We don't wear the free shit. So <laughs> for someone to buy something where it's not a Nike collab or Adidas collab or Reebok collab, and it's just purely especially when that fly. especially when that that market is so tight etched out. Mm-hmm. Like the, there's titans of that of those brands. And the crazy thing is, even the titan of that brand is the youngest in that brand. 
It's fucking crazy. Like, if you look at the lifespan, Nike is only, what, 40 years old? Adidas is well before World War II. And, and Puma's not made until, like, the 1960s. So to even try to get, pun intended, a foot in that door yeah. is hard. Oh, yeah, definitely. And also, besides the fuck you to brands and just showing, like, starting from ground zero, it was also a testament to, like, I want to collab with a Nike one day or Adidas. I like those shoes. And I said to myself, collabs, you have to bring something to the table. So I can't just be like, I'm Muggsy from the Bronx. I want a Nike. I have my own shoe, and I want a Nike. And I sold my own shoe. And Jim Jones put that motherfucker on. So, holla at me. Yeah, so I, I said, you know what? You don't ever come to class without, like, a notebook or any research on what you're, you're learning. So I came back. I understand. Nobody could tell me. Nobody could just tell me anything. I have, I have footing experience. So How was that process? And, and what did you learn in the moments of, like, learning about a last and learning about sizing and... Learn like I may not be able to make this in a kid's size. <laughs> like, um, it's very, very annoying and very, 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 very expensive. Um, there's a lot of limitations, and it's still like even all my sneakers are like partial molds that existed that I put together or I color coordinated a certain way, which I learned is natural. And like most, like most people that collab, like all Virgil collabs with Nike is. Sneakers that exist, he adds his yeah. own twist, which I respect. But you're gonna look at it a certain way because it's because it's Virgil and Nike. But at this level, it's a lot harder because I might be doing that to a sneaker that you never seen before and you don't give zero fucks about. But you see the check, you see the Air Jordan One that been out since 1985. It already has all the history and goodwill, and then he just sprinkles his icing on it and it sells. Yeah. So it's like a great advantage. More power to that man. But you know what I'm doing right here is just from the ground. Like, ain't nobody else. Like, it's just figuring out, creating a taste level of my own, legit. And would you say, I'm sure the moments don't compare. Was it more full circle for your first T-shirt, first store, or first shoe? First shoe, of course, because the T-shirt thing, the first T-shirt thing is like, yo, you could print, like, even there's custom making all those other fulfillment sites. You can make one shirt and done, be done. The, the, even the um, store It's like Okay If all else fails I could just turn it To something else But the shoe It's two Three hundred pairs Of the motherfuckers <laughs> Get right Get tight Let's go You know I had to re-up The black ones I feel great about that You know Just to have Just to have that In my boat Like okay And now with these New With this new ventures Coming And people just still Are just being introduced To the shoe I believe the sales Will be even More colossal when his next spot opens, and then I have another shoe coming. So, and you also do you also did a slide. Well, I did the slide first. Well, yeah, you did I, a sl- I, couple I, slides. I did I did slides first because I said it's funny. I did slides in a hill first. No one see. I'm actually put the hill in the studio just to like show off. But I I might revisit hills a little little later. Maybe this time next year. Maybe. Um, but the thing about heels and stuff is that you know as a man I'm not gonna test them out so I can't really tell you what's a good heel or a bad heel yeah so I don't that's footwear is something I don't play with like a shirt cutting a girl a little different is one thing but feet 
a kitten heel, yeah, four inch, five inch. There's a lot of there's a lot of things to to be mindful of. Yeah, like I learned like from girls that red bottoms are great, but they hurt your feet. It was like, whoa, okay, I didn't know it. Like you know, so I got to be mindful. It's not just looks, it's feels, whatever. It's, like, it's experience. So um, the shoe thing is the slide. I did a slide because I'm like, you know what? It's a little easier, a little calmer. It's not as much competition. Like anybody can enter the slide game. I did that. Ironic enough, the slides actually ended up reaching me in January. And it was the most, to this date, it's still the most thing I ever produced. I post 1,500 pieces, 500 of each style. And it was scary to put up that much money blindly. And I'm like, um. You're really betting on yourself. Really betting on myself. But I released in January. So I fucking, uh, since it's, it's late, I'm not going to have the, the media content to make because it's going to be, I'm cold. <laughs> yeah. But I said, fuck it, I'm going to release in January and just soft release and just have it out there and wait till some of the content. But I probably sold the most that January ever. That's and, beautiful. And it's just simple fact that I have a lot of vacationers and the slide did well and it was very comfortable and people still own it to this day and this came out years ago. So I saw, I saw a girl, she posted the first pair that she bought mm-hmm. And she was super excited that she was able to order another pair yeah. to go on vacation. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I also keep stock. So it's like any, for the most part, any footwear I make, I want you to be married to. Like you, I want it to be like foam runners where you just want to wear them all the time. And the slides I've definitely accomplished that with. A lot of people feel that way about the sneakers. So even though like, I know the sneakers is a harder bet because most people don't know how to function with shoes with no laces. That's why this shoe coming in October. I, I'm betting the house on. I'm absolutely like I really I, this October coming. I'm really like Armageddon for me. I'm betting the house on everything. Betting the house on the space. Betting the house on the shoe. And I'm, I'm not gonna say the sh- the show might be my biggest show. I think because I might I might even show my pieces four times at least. I have so many. I have so much pieces that should be. I've never been so prepared for a show. All my all my samples should be here before the middle of this month, and that's way ahead of schedule. I've never had that in my life. Last year, the samples came two days before the show. Wow. God was on my side. But who still inspires you to design? Um, Kanye West still inspires me to design. Um, I wanted. Mm, is it Sahili? What's his name? The guy that has the, the New Balance. Salehi. Salehi. He inspires me. I like, and it must, I don't I don't really know if I'm making clothes, but more so um, the color choices he makes. Mm-hmm. I really like his color coding. His color palette is really His good. color palette is elite, and he inspires me, and his content creation is amazing. And honestly, the person that probably inspired me fabric-wise is Jerry right now. And it sounds like regular, but Jerry has a real good, um, and it's funny, it's not, the fear of God. This is the essentials that inspires me. Not the fear of God stuff. The regular essentials. It's interesting. Because I feel like I feel like the thing with Jerry, um not Kanye as much. Jerry maybe like Virgil. But more so Jerry, because Jerry comes from money. So like it's kind of different. Like what you see as clothes and function and how the consumer functions is different from how I see it. Like Jerry, Jerry Kanye they make clothes that is like niggas out here. We, if I could pull it off, Rob might not be able to pull it off. Or Tips can't pull it off. Like it's not, it's not practical. Mm. The essentials though is practical. 
everybody could wear it. And just because you built the name the right way and the quality is there, people respect it. I could wear that essential hoodie, essentials hoodie anywhere. And it's just black with a PVC logo and it's solar fleece and people love it because it's essential. You know, it's funny. Out of the names that you mentioned, there was a name that I thought was going to be there that wasn't there. Uh, who's that? Kirby. Oh, oh yes. No, definitely. <laughs> I, I, once I started talking about, um, I forgot, but no, Kirby is definitely one, but Kirby is more so, I'm more so a fan of Kirby's sneakers. His sneakers inspire me more than anything. Fabric-wise, he's all right, but I feel like he still makes a lot of stuff that's like, Yo, you're from Brooklyn. You have you probably like one of those left guys, like most mm-hmm. of us that are fashionable. But you don't make enough. I don't feel like you make enough stuff for the niggas on your block, though. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I usually have a saw, a good space in between. I'm gonna have that fire black quality hoodie, but I'm gonna have that orange joint that a nigga in Seoul is gonna finesse on some crazy color palette. And I feel like all Kirby, Kirby and Jerry with the fair god stuff and Kanye, they all on that same time where most of their pieces aren't gonna be. That I I could be calm a little bit. Like it's gonna be statement piece no matter what. And we don't wanna make it most people what I tell people is that most people aren't fashionable or creative. The ever I feel like the overall um population is not fashionable or creative. It, it's interesting that you say that because I would say that I feel like your presentation is very Pierre Moss Kirby because People can see themselves in your fashion shows. Exactly. They can relate to the people that they see. It's not anybody that they don't know. These people are tangible. And I think that's what makes it beautiful. Well, see, but that's another thing. But that's actually exactly what it is. You can be in my fashion show. I don't pick legit. I don't, I'm not going to say legit. I don't pick like, oh, give me your face card models. You have your portfolio. No, I like characters. I have a friend of mine that's um, um, a girl that's to be in my show this year because like she's a character, people like her, she's entertaining, it's fun. You know, I want I'm gonna hit up Capella, my friend that has the hottest song out, and I want him to magically pop up at the end of the show when the song starts playing and come out in a full fit of mine. That never been that never been seen before. Like I I want it to be experienced. It's I still come from parties, so I have showmanship. I believe Kirby has the same thing. So, but. Kirby will also, but what Kirby would do is he'll mix celebs that you never see model with some of his people and models, and throw them in, and it's like, whoa, that's that person from Moonlight or, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I do it like, yo, that's that person that the DJ, that's the girl that we never seen wear heels before. Like I, I, I do stuff like that, and I want characters. Like I want fun. I want my backstage to be the littlest party there is, because the energy is. It, I, I base you off of energy. Like, come walk. Let me see where your energy's at. You might be a little shy, but you got the energy. I believe you. So you that's exactly what I paint my picture as, though. If I'm selling, think about it. If I'm selling to the girl that's five foot four, has a regular body, maybe a little nice hip. Yeah. A little nice hip. A little yeah. nice hip. Why would I get the girl that's six one with Essentially. the stallion legs? To, to only I'm not gonna lie I've had those But why would I have Only those Cause The people that's in the crowd They're not gonna feel Completely relatable to that Like That's nice But can I wear that But now if it's your friend I know I can wear that mm-hmm. So I'd rather be realistic What do You say to The 10 year old 
Jay who's looking at these TNs, not knowing the Muggsy that's going to be later. It's funny because I think he knew. Ironic enough, I think he knew. Like, even with the circumstances of you not having, it's like it's always in the back of my mind. Like, if I had or when I have, it's always in the back of my mind. Like, yo, these fucking rich niggas cannot dress. Give me a million dollars, I'll show y'all niggas something. <laughs> like that. That's just how it. That's just how I feel, and I've always kind of felt like that. Because like, even my cousins will be better off than me. And I'd be like, yo, if I had that, I'd have finessed it this way. But I can't tell him how to dress his stuff because he hasn't. I don't. Yeah. Then I get it. And it's like, oh, all right. It's not even close. You know what I'm saying? It's funny. I had a quote underneath one of my pictures. And it was said, I won, which I probably will make a shirt one day. Um, I won most likely to succeed, but all I wanted was best dress. And I feel that is really the testament of my whole life. Because I was... You know, I was smart. I could do whatever. But I just wanted to be the best dressed nigga in class. <laughs> I didn't really care about nothing else. <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> so I remember my block. It's funny. My block was just fun. Um, shout out Lori Place in the Bronx. It's 27th Street. Um, like we had like polls where we'd walk around like who's cutest, who's this, who's that, who that, whatever, and what you would win. And I wanted best dress so bad. <laughs> so bad. And it's funny, I did this on two different blocks because I was, I got around. Yeah. I, I lost the other block, but they all were like baked out niggas. So I knew I was gonna lose. But on my regular block, yo, I got a good chance. Got Come on, man. You see the metallic <laughs> Air, Air Force One mids with the metallic green check 3D. I thought those were so fire. Then I grew up and was like, no, those are not it, young man. <laughs> well, that's all right. George tapped you again. Yo, yo, throw those oh, put them where those N ones was. So, whatever. But I really put, you know, best dress, and I wasn't even, like, in the finals. But I won most like ACC by far. And I was like, but I never, I was so blinded by the fashion, I never knew that people saw me in that light. And I was like, word? But it did add a new pressure because it's like, you know, you know, people always say, um, if you make it, don't forget me. But if I don't make it, you'll forget me. They do. So... It, it was always a tough yeah. Muggsy thank you For this interview Thank you for, for opening up I didn't know That you had and once And that you only wore them once So that is a testament right, Three time. times three times. Shh, don't tell George <laughs> Three times Three times Shh, George was out of school <laughs> And I got away with it Muggsy tell everybody Where they can find you Um Honestly, you could just Google Muggsy McFly. Um, you you can. It's it's Googleable. It's, it's anywhere, literally Googleable. It's anywhere you want it to be. Um, yeah, um, Muggsy McFly uh, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Gmail, Forbes, Essence, uh, relax. <laughs> and Jim it's, Jones tags. Yeah, there's a couple, there's a couple places. But, um, um, and lastly, I would say. Um, I just want y'all to look out for October. October is my birthday month, and I kind of wild out in October. So um, some very, very important things are coming. Fashion show, grand opening, and maybe even a collaboration. Yo, Muggsy, thank you for stopping by. This is Live from the Stoop Podcast with Robbie Digital. Until next time, guys, let's go.